The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. After you graduate, after you have the career, like the next thing comes marriage and kids and and all those things. Um, and boom, you're happy. And boom, you're happy. And boom, I wasn't happy. <laughs> um, I wasn't unhappy, but I... I was uncomfortable. There was something off. One of the things that has just sunk home to me so deeply in the last four or five years, it's not a destination. It's not. It's a journey. Virginia Dick is a mother entrepreneur, adventure seeker, community builder, and wild spirit. As the daughter of a single widowed mother who did not have a college education, Virginia has always been driven by a sense of independence. She pursued a PhD to allow her to provide for her family and at the same time make a significant difference in the lives of others. She explores her own path, and she wants to encourage and support other women to get outside of their comfort zone and realize just how strong, resilient, and amazing we all are. Welcome to the Women's Sanctuary. Enjoy this conversation with Virginia. Welcome, Virginia. Thank you. I'm very glad to be here. I'm good. I'm thrilled to have you here. So, you know, I say that you and I reconnected when our paths became similar, but I think I was already on this path of, of, of liberating myself and redefining how to live my life um, when we met. Mm-hmm. And I already sensed in you at that point, this wild free spirit who, although we were at, ti- at, at the time married mm-hmm. to um, not traditional partners, but definitely mainstream partners. Yes. Um, You know, I think we connected on in that wild independent Mm -hmm. spirit. So take us through what happened for you in a nutshell, how that, you know, the seed of that maybe, and then what led you to your change and and how that played out. Okay. Um, I always, I think I always had a little bit of that wild spirit. Um, but I definitely grew up thinking that you rode the escalator. Um, mm. I, I did the college and graduate school and had the career path and definitely w- had, had grown up thinking, you know, soccer bomb, that's where it's at. Um, the, that's where the security is at. Yeah. Uh, good living, comfortable life. Um, I had an amazing partner um, mm-hmm. who I'm very thankful to still be friends with. And, but 
but really, you know, after you graduate, after you have the career, like the next thing comes marriage and kids and, and all those things. Um, And boom, you're happy. And boom, you're happy. And boom, I wasn't happy. (laughs) Um, I wasn't unhappy, but I, I was uncomfortable. There was something off. And when my mom passed away, um, the year my mother passed away, I was 36. I had just had my second child. Um, I had what I thought at the time was pretty close to my dream job, which imploded the same year. Um, and when mom died and I realized that my outlet for all of my wild space was gone, mm. I, I was stuck. I was in a place where I, I didn't, didn't realize I, like the timing was the same. I was mm-hmm. 36 and my parents divorced. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know we that. I didn't, I didn't realize what I had not put that together. Um, it took, it took probably a year, um, for me to realize just how stuck I was and how much something desperately needed to shift. And it was during that time that I, as I was floundering and as I was trying to figure out what in the world, how, how do I make sense of my world now and where do I go? Um, that I reached out and you and I reconnected again, um, to help get some, some guidance and support. And initially was thinking, I just, I just need support to get through the grief. Right. I just need like, and then I was like, yeah, no, no, like there's something bigger happening and really began the process of digging deep into who, who am I and who do I want to be and what things are important to me and how do I want to walk through this world? The more I delved into all of that and the more I uncovered my layers and started to determine what a full rich life would look like for me, I realized more and more that traditional marriage, um, traditional work escalator and relationship escalator were not the right fits for me. My now ex-husband is an amazing person. He is an amazing father and I I needed for us to both find places where we could be happy and fulfilled. And so we ended up divorcing, but we have managed to uh, build a strong friendship and are co-parenting our kids. Um, And he is, he is moving on. I'm super happy to see him moving on. He's got some great, great woman in his life now. Um, And I've been able to, to build this, wild free life that, that I was looking for. Um, because at the same time that I knew a traditional relationship was not the right path for me, I was raised by two entrepreneurs, like working in a corporate job didn't feel right to me. Um, being a suit didn't feel right to me. It wasn't the way that I interacted with people. And so, although you wore a lot of suits, (laughs) I did wear a lot of suits. I did. And I've had some awesome jobs and I am very thankful to have been able to work with and meet the people that I have met in the trucking industry, in the child welfare world, um, that are elected officials working throughout the United States. When I think back on the career I've had and the, the connections I've made and, and maintained, I'm blessed. Um, I'm very thankful for all of them. I think one of the reasons I made them is because there's always been a part of me that's just, I can put on the suit, but I'm still Virginia and that's who you're going to get. 
and I, and I do the work that I do because I want to make a difference in people's lives and to leave the world a little bit better than, than I found it. And hopefully to leave the people that I came in contact with a little better. Being a leader to me never seemed to fit with the model that I kept seeing and all the leadership programs and all the, that just something felt off. It felt a little uncomfortable. Um, and it took, it took getting really uncomfortable in all aspects of my life for me to decide that it was time to take a risk and to start doing private consulting again, which has ended up in, I now run my own evaluation consulting business and get to work with public health nonprofits all over the state of Georgia. Um, and sometimes I'm lucky enough to get to support federal efforts as well all across the country. Um, but it also gave me the opportunity to expand and to you and I, as, as I worked through other things and had other women reach out to me and go, how, how are you doing what you're doing? How, mm-hmm. how is this all happening? Begin to envision and think about what, what a activity or initiative would look like that could help women connect to themselves and connect to each other in a way that we build each other up, that we, we support each other. We feed each other's roots so that we can all fly higher. Um, and yeah, and that was just really important to me and I felt called to it more and more and I still do. Um, yeah, you know, I was already doing that work with women in the context of the women's sanctuary and you always have been and are a country girl and an outdoor girl. And, um, it just became this natural connection mm-hmm. to help women reconnect to themselves through being in nature and hiking and throwing it in with community and meditation. It's a really beautiful combination. It's, um, it's been really powerful to me to see the comments and the feedback that I've gotten both from friends and from people I've never met before about seeing someone who sometimes looked like them, sometimes didn't, but who always had a handout to, to reach out to anybody who wanted to come, um, to just go and do and to do it, um, with a sense of ease and to share that back out and to make the connections between a lot of the, um, the readings and the study and the self growth and the things that we see in nature. Um, the, the way the rock formations shift gently over time. And so there's this constant change in nature, but there's a steadiness to it too. And that both of those can exist and that, um, all of the little things that we can learn just by being out there doing and that we can build and support in each other, um, has been really powerful. And I get as much from my time taking the walks in the woods and doing the readings and from meeting the women that I've met and sharing time with them as, as I think they do for me, I might even get more from it. Um, so I'm, 
It's a very special time. Yeah. And I know it's been weird and basically on hold since the pandemic. I'm hoping that will shift soon. I, 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 it has been difficult um, during the pandemic and it's been, it's been odd too, because I have found myself avoiding trails that I, places that I used to go because places that used to be very remote are now very crowded. Mm. Um, and a lot of, a lot of times. And so it has changed the dynamic, but I am hoping that, um, particularly now that, uh, things are shifting a little bit, um, with the pandemic that I'm hoping that we'll be able to get back out. And one of the things that's been really meaningful for me in the meantime has been using social media and other mechanisms to share, to share pictures, to share stories, um, to share some of the meditative readings that, that we typically would do. Yeah, that's actually been very impactful. I've been following them and it, it does, it, it pulls you, you know, you have that ability to pull someone into, into the experience of being outdoors and, and, and how that, and to have an impact on your psyche and your soul. So that's been really beautiful. A friend of mine made the comment to me. Um, it's interesting because it was a, it was a man who made this comment to me, but he said, cause he follows the page as well. And he made the comment that, a lot of times the writings felt like I was asking people to come along with me on my journey. Mm. And I I told him he's a writer as well. And I told him, I said, that was quite a compliment in my eyes because that is, that is very much what I do um, is that I share, I share images and text and, and then my own writings on things that are impactful to me and are a part of the journey and the work I'm continuing to do. I think so often we're taught, oh, you're on an escalator. So you eventually get to the top and you're done. There's a destination. Um, There's a destination. And one of the things that has just sunk home to me so deeply in the last four or five years, it's not a destination. It's not. It's a journey. And one of my most beloved tango teachers, that's, that's one of her key teachings that I've always taken away from, from workshops with her is that it's, it's about the journey. It's about mm-hmm. that the moment by moment and, and being open to that. Um, so we'll put this in the show notes, but share for people with the name of the group. The name of the ahead. name of the group is roots and wings women. And there's a Facebook group. So we'll share that. Um, and when, you know, group hikes feel safe and everybody feels good on the trail, then, then they will resume. Yeah. Right now right? I'm thinking maybe May. Let's start back up in May. Fingers um, crossed. What I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. I am fully vaccinated now, so I'll, I think <laughs> oh, I'll be awesome. ready to go. <laughs> My goal is to help support women in, in some of those more chaotic processes of transformation and mm-hmm. unfolding Share a little bit more in detail about your process of as much as you can from your story, extracting yourself from a traditional relationship and then envisioning what, what would be different for you. Mm -hmm. I know that it it can be a struggle. It can be a struggle, right? (laughs) But it's, it's a messy process, but it's also, um, it's very complicated when there are other people involved. There are. Um, 
and and there are a couple of things that that I'll I want to share about this. Um, one of the first is I can't imagine having gone through that process without having had a strong coach and support system. Mm. That I think more than anything helped me navigate what was a very difficult and intense process um, and navigate it as gently as I could for everyone involved. And there were moments when it was not gentle for any of us. I think often, particularly as women, we're so conditioned to avoid discomfort um, and definitely to avoid creating discomfort for those that we care about. And we're taught that discomfort is a bad thing, that it's something to be avoided, yes. that it is it is a sign there is a problem that must be fixed. Um, and sometimes discomfort is just a sign of growth and change. Um, let me guarantee you that the daffodils that are blooming right now, that is not an easy process. The butterflies that will be coming out shortly, that is not an easy process. Um, it, takes, it takes work and it takes being okay with being uncomfortable. If I had not gotten to that extreme place of discomfort, I don't think I would have grown and reached where I am now. But to go back to the original question, one of the the big things for me was to first realizing this isn't working. This isn't working. Um, I'm actually going to stop you there because that's, that's such a critical piece. Like a lot mm -hmm. of women know it isn't working, but to actually consciously say, admitting to myself, it was not working yeah. was not something that happened overnight. That was not an easy thing at all. And you probably, you know, because you were there with me for much of it. Um, I fought it. I fought it for a long time. I was like, no, I want the status quo. Like, I will be able to. I can make to, this work. I, I can, can make do this it. work. I can make this work. It's okay. And it took staying with that discomfort, though. It took seriously being able to stay with that discomfort and work through and identify all of the things that really matter to me and that we're really going to make that, that were core parts of me, but also that were, were where I wanted to go, where I really like, if I, if I opened my heart up, if I, if I really looked deep, what's the richest life I can imagine? Oh, I love that. What's the richest life? What I can is imagine? the richest life I can imagine? And then when the doors really got blown off for me, I think was when I went and what, and I don't necessarily recommend this. What would be the richest life I could imagine for everybody involved? Mm -hmm. If I love everybody involved, my kids, my ex-husband, extended family, I love all of these people as much as I say I do. If I love myself as much as I say I do, what is the richest life I can envision for all of us? Now, it's really hard when you're one person saying that and you have other people that you're also negotiating relationships with. Um, and yeah, let's, let's unpack that a little more because, mm -hmm. you know, you alluded to this. On the surface, it might look like you're going to fix life for everybody else so that they feel good too. No. No. And you've heard this a million times. 
the most loving choice for you is the most loving choice for everyone else, yep. even if it doesn't look like it at the time, which is yep. one of my things. Yep. And I will interject this. I had another friend going through a traumatic experience with children and husbands and her, it being very difficult for her to acknowledge whatever her needs were and, and get those met. Mm-hmm. And I pointed out to her that her children are already a part of her heart. So no matter what she did, it, that would be part of her decision. Mm-hmm. And I can okay. remember you telling me something similar and my kids are my heart. I mean, I laugh when, when people ask me and when, even when I look back at my bio that you read earlier, being a mom, being a mama bear, it's probably number one for me. I am a nurturer and a caregiver and a mama first and foremost. But at the time and in the, when I was in the midst of the most difficult part of it, it was hard. It was hard, particularly in a society that taught me or had taught me. Um, you're breaking the family. Mm-hmm. And so I had to shift my own perspective. And then I was very lucky because, um, my ex-husband agreed to, th- after some counseling together, um, which is now one of the things I highly recommend when I have friends that are going through difficult times, I'm like, get your butt into couples counseling. I don't care where your relationship ends up. Yeah. Get it in there because it, it will make a difference. He agreed to, to go on this weird journey with me to try to work together to, to reach towards this vision that I had. I got to a place in our relationship where I felt like staying married. We could have done it. We could have done it and it would have been okay. And it also would have broken core parts of both of us and trying to make it okay for all of us. And instead what we have now is both of us are, all of us are physically healthier than we've ever been. Um, We're both able to grow in the ways that we want to. Um, We can support each other. We can be friends. My kids thriving um, and they frequently laugh that they kind of love that they have mom's house. That's hippie house and dad's house. That's luxury house. Um, And they love the other people that have come into their life um, through his relationships. And they still, they have all of their family is still there together. We still all do things um, as a big group. Um, I still We'll take them over or meet their, their grandmother out for dinner at various times. All of that was really important to me. Um, and it was a key part in as I navigate to this, this new place for myself, this new place that is more authentic and truer to me, that what I want to do is still provide a, I want to be able to nourish and feed myself and create that life, but also as an offshoot of that, be as caring as I can to all of these other people who enrich my life. Um, and so it, it's been five years. Um, Congratulations. And as, 
as we have discussed before, there are times I look around, I'm like, holy cow, look at that. I can remember when I was talking about wanting to be here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and guess what? All my luggage is still with me. <laughs> so, and, and I say that because I'm, I kind of have found myself five years down the road in a process where I'm, I'm going back and saying, okay, I, I set that vision and I've achieved all these things. And guess what? There's still healing to do and there's still growing to do and there's still, um, unpacking the luggage and, refolding stuff so that it's a little bit smaller and easier to carry. Um, and are there new visions? And there, there are new visions. There are new visions. There's, um, there's expansion of, and a blending of, of roots and wings and some other creativity activities that I've been involved in. Um, so long range goal of a creativity retreat um, this is my retirement plan. People keep telling me that's not really retirement. Um, a, a retreat that would provide a place of nourishment and growth for, for women, for men, for, for creatives that, that need some space to get away and to connect to themselves and to nature. There's more healing and growing that I want to do personally. Um, with my own spirit and, and unlocking some pains and some barriers that I put up with, with relationships and continuing to open my heart and, and grow even more with that. I am solo poly right now and very much liking that. And that is, that is a big part of who I am, but looking to continue to build those relationships and, and see where that journey takes as well. Well, let, let's talk about polyamory, mm-hmm. which is what you meant by poly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tell me, yes how you view, view that in general and how you see that for yourself. That's a complicated question. Um, yeah. <laughs> you give me the nickel answer. I'll give you the nickel answer. Well, it's um, totally a, a, another podcast. <laughs> I, I was going to say my, um, my elevator speech on that um, is that I identify as solo polyamorous, meaning that I very much like my single. I, I don't want to cohabitate with someone again. Like my independence, I do have people that I consider um, significant people in my life. So probably more on the relationship anarchy side of how I actually organize my relationships, Um, meaning that I don't like to put specific definitions or terms on what the relationship looks like. And they ebb and flow over time, depending on where everybody is at Um, and what is the most freeing and nurturing for all of us involved because that's, I guess that's been more of my guiding principle is that I want to form my relationships, however they exist from a place of love. And for that, for me, that means um, providing myself and the significant people in my life opportunity to to pursue and feed and nurture the relationships, connections, directions, whatever feeds our life to make it as rich as possible. Um, and so sometimes that means we are further apart and sometimes we're closer together. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, there's a deep commitment um, to, to those people and will be. I don't, I don't see a time that it wouldn't be. Um, Polyamory has 
the more I learn, the more I study, the more I read, um, is such a diverse environment in and of itself, um, a diverse way of forming relationships and being that I, I think I use that language because it's, it's a label that has, it, it at least resonates with some people means many loves, which mm-hmm. is as close as I can come to a clearer explanation of how I form relationships now. Um, and I think for me, the guiding principle, when I talk to any of my friends, colleagues, anyone else is we are all so different in how we form relationships and finding what works for you and for the significant people in your life and being as honest and open as you can with them. That's what's important. What works for me isn't, yeah, what works for me doesn't work for everybody else. And what works for them doesn't necessarily work for me. But just like with every parent-child relationship, everything, ditch the labels and figure out what works for you and your loved ones. I love that. It's about, it sounds like it's about just being open and honest and then respecting and honoring whatever Mm -hmm. anybody's relationship style. Yeah. And and trust a long way from where you were. It is a long way from where I was. A long way. If you if five years ago somebody had told me this is where I would be with it, I would be like, "Mm, Yeah, I'm not so sure about all that. Um I find that for me personally, my answers are somewhere in the middle. That there's no one set book, there's no one set philosophy, there's no none of I learn from all of it. I take pieces from all of it. Um, and then I, I come back to looking inside and, and doing the internal work of, okay, knowing all of this, how do I want to walk through this world? And how do I want to form relationships or connections? Um, and how do I want to treat the people I'm close to. And one of the things I want to do is trust that um, if I have a relationship with someone that we're both, both considerate of each other, that it's, it's founded on mutual respect and caring. And those are all such valuable questions. I'm going to actually (laughs) uh, capture those questions and we'll put them in the show notes because I find that really useful for me is, Mm -hmm is having those questions for reflection. And sometimes it's not even generating an answer and writing it down. It's just letting it seep into your spirit and mm-hmm. letting it just permeate your being and allow answers to come to you. And real often, that's one of the reasons why I'll do the Roots and Wings walks. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll take some of those questions with me or I'll take a particular reading or poem or clip that, that brings those questions home to me and I'll read and just walk with it and let my spirit get what it needs to from the walk, from, from the trees. There was a piece that I was reading recently in, in a new book. And, um, it's a book that's written about, um, Native Jamaican religious experiences and um, connections to 
goddess earth and I'm probably going to mess up the quote, but one of the lead characters is talking to the young boy and they're talking about the fact that everything in nature speaks to us. And if we'll take the time to have the conversation with them, how much that can open our hearts and minds, not just to what's happening in this rich land around us, but, but to ourselves and to each other. Um, and to just sometimes stop and have those quiet conversations with the clouds, with the trees, um, with the rocks, uh, and to, to let yourself be open to what they're saying as well as what your own spirit is saying in return. Yes. And this is one of the things we really connected around. Mm-hmm. I've done a lot of work with the natural world in my life and, you know, the indigenous call it the standing people and the stone people mm-hmm. because they are you know, beings like we are. And I love that because it helps me give them the proper respect for being older and wiser than me. <laughs> well, and it's, I think it's one of the things, um, there's an amazing scene in Beloved. Uh, that I think I've shared with you once or twice. Um, and it is a, it's a scene where, um, where she's standing out in the woods and she calls for the men to come forward and dance and for the women to weep and for the children to laugh and play. And then it cuts to the three women watching this memory of her call forth um, all these voices and to let the land hold all that joy and all that pain and all that resiliency. And I spent most of my life growing up in Appalachia and underestimated the power that the land had had on me growing up. And now I'm realizing how important it is that, that the land really does hold so much of that ancestral knowledge, strength, emotion. And there are times when, when life overloads me now, going up to Appalachia or out to the coast and sitting against a live oak and thinking about the ancestors that were there before. And if they could carry all of that, then I can carry this. I love that. If they can carry all of that, I can carry this. Mm -hmm. And who in the world am I to let them down and say that whatever this small thing is, is too much right now. They got me. They got me. I just need to sit and rest for a minute. Then we'll get up and go. Yeah, definitely that speaks to our connectedness, mm-hmm. not just to the natural world, but to each other, mm-hmm. backwards and forwards. Backwards and forwards. You know, when you, I've heard when you heal, you heal backwards as well as forwards. Yeah. And I do firmly believe that some of the molds that you and I broke mm-hmm. break those cycles for our children. I think we do. And I think it's amazing to get to watch it manifest. And my daughters are just now getting the first one just turned to be a teenager this year. 
but watching that all manifest in them has been really powerful. And the, the confidence with which they already are walking through this world mm-hmm. and just a quiet comfort in who they are and a comfort with, I'm not really sure exactly. I think this is generally where I want to go, but I don't need to know precise. I know who I am and I'm good enough with that. And I'm going to see where the path takes me. And it's, it's so powerful to see that. Well, you've given them the gift of the freedom to be themselves. I hope so. That is my goal. That is my, that is my hope. Um, And you gave yourself the same gift. That. That also means letting all of the different pieces come together and really walk in a voice that is completely mine. So, yeah, I'm going to wear makeup when I go hiking sometimes. And, yeah, I may spend all day hiking and come home and dress up and go dance. Well, when I can dance again. Um, <laughs> once we're allowed to do that again. Um, but really... Like changing the narrative that we're only allowed to be one thing. Mm-hmm. That if if you're the elegant, feminine, graceful girl, you can't also be the one who's mucking stalls or putting dirt in the garden beds in the front yard or anything like Guess what? Yeah, we can. We can do all of that. We don't have to. God knows. I've got some girlfriends that I love dearly that they look at me and they're like, uh-uh, anyway, <laughs> call me when you get home. I'll meet you for drinks later. But no, I don't need to go play in the woods with you. Um, let's, let's talk about dance. You've alluded to it mm-hmm. a couple of times. And um, when this episode airs, I will mm-hmm. have... The episode previous to this will be uh, an interview with Sharna Fabiana. So, <gasps> so tell me if you would, would like to about your relationship to tango. That has been, that has actually been a big part of my journey. It still is. Um, I really was introduced to tango about four or five years ago. Um, was probably introduced to it about a year before I got brave enough to try to start learning it. Um, I was introduced to it, um, had a very dear friend who was learning to tango, um, and we, we real often would do book reads together. Um, and so we, we had read In Stranger's Arms, The Magic of Tango. Um, and it really talked as much about, um, the history and the, the depth of Argentine tango as a social tango dance um, and the, the growth and the, you really need to be connected to yourself before you're able to, to connect deeply to another person. Um, but there's so much in the history and the beauty and how Argentine tango came to be um, that just resonated with me. It took about a year before I got brave enough to go to my first class. Um, there were a couple of that book and, um, there's an interview with, uh, a maestra, Alicia Pons. 
And in one of her interviews, she talked a lot about how in the embrace, we need to open our hearts, but instead of opening outwards, instead of envisioning doors that open out, because that actually pushes people away, we need the doors to open inward um, so that we invite people in and we bring them into our embrace. Um, and both of those, both that book and, and that interview were probably two of the major deciding pieces of what I finally got brave enough to go to my first class. I spent a couple of years taking lessons, a year or so taking lessons um, in Atlanta, uh, a couple of workshops down in Charleston, and then made my first trip to Argentina um, and met people who I now consider very dear friends, Alejandro and Elizabeth, um, and just kept finding myself drawn more and more to this, that it tango really forces me to continue to work on being open to myself, um, to building my own confidence. One of, one of my teachers, um, I said some teachers from Germany, Melina and Delaf, and I had the opportunity to take a private lesson with them one time. And one of the big things was walk like a queen. Mm. care how confident you are own your head and walk like a queen and make create a situation where your partner has to walk you like they would the queen um and that was just that was powerful for me so even on the days when i don't feel it when i'm when i'm struggling with my own internal stuff that i'm still working on um tanker brings me back to that the importance of connecting to my core to connecting to myself and to doing that so that I can really open my heart and my spirit up to be able to connect with others. There's also a grace and an elegance and a beauty to it that is just, it's powerful. Um, it's powerful. And I have been able to, I've been lucky enough over the four years. Um, I think Tango also unleashed or, or renewed my passion and my vigor for traveling. I've traveled to Germany and to, to France and to Argentina, um, all for tango. It's, it's amazing to think of the people that I've met throughout the United States and around the world, um, through, through this dance that is all about connection. Mm-hmm. It's all about connection. Mm-hmm. And I really wish that somebody had told me that it was, you know, that I was looking for punishment that as someone who has never danced before, um, to try to tackle one of the hardest dances, (laughs) particularly when you're somebody who up to that point, like I didn't do things that were hard for me. If it was hard for me, I'd be like, eh, I have enough to do that. I'm reasonably good at like, why do I need to go tackle something that is really hard for me to get? And I'm like, well, cause now I'm hooked and I love it and I can't imagine not doing it. Um, and there's, there's some beauty in tackling things that are really hard for us to do. Well, our soul doesn't call us to the easy thing. No, no, no. It calls us to the things with value. Yeah. As I tell my girls, um, Whenever we're, whether it's a long hike or something else, I'm like, oh, please. If it came easy, like that's a slam dunk piece. The really amazing, the richest, most amazing things in our lives come when we push ourselves and get a little bit outside of our comfort zone or a lot outside of our comfort zone sometimes. Um, and 
at least in my case, I pushed myself because I had not allowed myself to stretch for so yep. long to yep. the point that came where I, I had no choice. And I, I think that's kind of where I'd gotten to five years ago when, when I started this was I did everything to stay safe. I sacrificed everything for security. Um, and yeah, security is a big core value for me, but it is not the only one. And, and I hazard to guess that you may have just redefined safety. For yes. Yourself. Yes. I think that's, I actually have a blog post on, on security and safety because, um, because I think that's, a, that's one of those things that I got comments from a lot of, particularly a lot of women on, as I was going through my own transformation they were like don't you ever get scared you hike alone you travel alone like to me that's not what defines security Mm. um the things that other people saw as dangerous or insecure were were very different from me um my security i realized as i was working on redefining pretty much everything in my life really became much more about secure relationships and connections. Um, so yeah, I started taking what other people saw as more risks because that's where secure, secure connections for me are in the woods and they're traveling and meeting new people. And followed me, I have a friend in Germany who she texts me every morning, just a, just a picture, just a high, just a touching base. And there's such beauty and connection in that. Uh, and a security that it's all going to be good. Even if the rainstorm comes through right now, even when the storm comes through and topples a tree on your car, it will be okay. Just <laughs> <laughs> an experience you had. <laughs> it, it is an experience I had. Um, but no, I think, I think for me, the biggest lessons from the last couple years are to be open, to be open to whatever is coming. So that what is coming can come. It reminds me of that Rumi quote about opening, I'm going to butcher it, opening whatever barriers there are between you and love. Mm-hmm. Or it, over, it's working on that. You yeah. know, it's, it's breaking down those barriers. And, and that's, yeah. that's, that's been your path. That's been my, and it is, it's what I think I'd, it is what I'm still continuing to strive for every day, even now, is if there's a different way of doing it, that's probably the way I'm going to take it. <laughs> um, and to just constantly work on reminding myself to stay open. Because it, all of the beautiful things that have come into my life were unexpected. They were not planned. They were not the neat, organized things. They were, they were the people and places and adventures that I hadn't, I hadn't expected, um, or that I knew was a risk and I knew it was a stretch. Um, and they came because you were open and they came because I was open. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything from the crazy dog that lives at my house, both of them, um, to the trip, the last big trip I took, which was the, the Tango Queens Congress in Germany. Um, which if you had told me that I was going to get to a place where I was going to get on a plane to head to a foreign country where I didn't really speak the languages 
And, oh, yeah, I'm going completely by myself. And I don't really, like, I kind of know one or two people. I would have thought you were crazy. And I just can't (laughs) imagine having not made that trip. And I cannot wait until I get to go and see some of those women again. Well, I can't wait for you to get back on a plane and continue your tango journeys. Well, and and even just adventures in general. Like, I'm just... There's... There's so much in this world to see and do. Uh, But if we just let ourselves let go. A few days later, I reached out to Virginia with one more question. You made some, some reference to, gosh, I don't think I would have been able to do this without some support. Mm-hmm. So given your experience from this vantage point five <laughs> years later, what would you say to somebody who's stru- in that situation struggling right now, who maybe knows that they have to make a change and they may even have I- an idea of what it is mm-hmm. and their life is far from it right now and maybe they even feel trapped in whatever lifestyle they've they've had for the yeah in for now and in the past yeah um well that's such an interesting question because i feel like i do i do have friends that are in that boat that situation right now um and so this is actually something we talk about on a fairly regular basis um And I think one of my first pieces of advice is to not be afraid to reach out and look for help, um, reach out and look for support that that was one of the very first steps I took. Um, and I do it even now when I'm feeling like I'm in a place of discord and I need some help sorting things out and and getting either sorting things out or just, just getting a better handle on where I want to go and what I want to do. And, um, whether it's a coach, whether it's a therapist, um, I, I would say that a very significant piece for me was not only finding my individual coach to help, help along the way, but finding, um, finding and engaging in some couples coaching and and therapy, um, which was really, really important to, to my process and to getting to where I wanted to go, which, which included maintaining, um, relationships. And so I would say the first is to, to find help, uh, to reach out for help, to not be afraid to, to look for and find, um, a coach or therapist that, that is a good match for you. And that's a really important piece is that making, making sure that it's someone who fits with, um, your energy and your spirit and, um, it, and will truly listen to you and where, where you want to go, um, or where, what you want to try to figure out. Um, I, cause I think, I think when I started along my path, I didn't know where I wanted to go. I, I really didn't. I just knew I was stuck and I wasn't where I wanted to be. Well, that's an interesting point because one of the first therapists I found in, in my, in my process did, was mm-hmm. not a good fit mm-hmm. because her, express goal was about 
helping me figure out how to stay in the marriage I was in. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there was no openness for considering, is this the right fit for you? If not, then what? And so I had to keep looking. And, and don't let, I mean, I reached out to several people um, before I found and started working, um, started working with you. I also, and that was, that was with my huge background of, I mean, I went through my graduate school program and came through with a cohort. All of my peers were working on their PhDs in marriage and family therapy. Like what I have plenty of in my life (laughs) is people who are therapists. But I think I also understood for that reason how important fit is. Um, and how important it was to find the right person. I I also went through, there were a couple of people that I reached out to that when we would talk, I'm like, this this isn't the right fit for me. This isn't what I need right now. Um, but I knew that I couldn't, I knew that I needed someone to help with that process. Um, so I mean, the, I think that, the first piece is to, to find that support. Um, and that doesn't mean find somebody that's going to pat you on the head and tell you what you want to know and not make you do the hard stuff. Um, I'm working with a coach right now and we were laughing the other day because I was working through some things and doing some journaling while we were in session. And we talked about whether or not I was going to read it out loud. And this is a particular issue that I need to get because of where I want to go in my journey. I need to get better and I will I will journal about stuff and that gets through many layers but actually talking and making myself really really vulnerable with people that are important to me is is still that's that's still a point of vulnerability for me um and so I was laughing with her when she said you don't have to read it and I was just like you totally know I do um, I'm not paying you to be my friend. I'm paying you to make me do the hard stuff that I don't want to do. And if I don't read this out loud, then I'm not, I'm still burying some things that need to get uncovered. Um, so that, that actually takes me into the second piece of advice that I've given my loved ones that find themselves in this place, which is be prepared to do the hard work. It's not easy. It's not the easiest thing in the world is to go back into our hidey holes and our comfort spaces and not, not do the unveiling, not to cut the onion, not to engage in this work that unleashes our, our greatest selves. Um, Tearing down walls is hard. What got you through the hard work? Several different things. Um, One is actually a hiking metaphor, uh, which is knowing that I don't get to see the sunset on Blood Mountain if I stay at the bottom of the mountain. The only way I get to see the vistas and the views and the things that you can't see other places is by by tackling the hard things, by getting my butt up that mountain. Um, And by looking at where I am and feeling like, okay, I can stay stuck and stay uncomfortable or I can get a little more uncomfortable and get to a really amazing place. 
Mm. I'm going to take the getting a little more uncomfortable to get to that really beautiful place that I am going to, um, and that I want to get to. And that, that is further down the journey. Um, we have a friend that calls that called that comfortable misery. Yes. Or miserably comfortable. Miserably comfortable. Either one of those and not, not a place you want to live the rest of your life. It's not, but I think I see so many people that are like, yeah, but this is safe and known. So there's a lot of, you know, they'll, there's a choice to stay numb or the opposite of numb means that you feel. Feeling means that you're doing, yeah, that sometimes you have to feel uncomfortable things. But the beauty that lays on the other side of that is just so, so important and so valuable. Um, I think the tie to that is the idea of it's really important to be honest, um, to be really, really honest with ourselves and with our loved ones, um, to be honest that we may not know exactly where the journey is taking us. Um, but, but to also be really honest with them about where you want to see that journey going, um, and about what you're, you want and, and why, and that, um, and how you see your connection to them and, or changing or evolving or staying the same or whatever it looks like. Um, but being really, really honest with yourself, um, first, which is also not necessarily the most easy thing in the planet. No, um, not easy. And it's part of that hard work that we were just talking about. Um, and my last one is to take all steps in love. Love towards mm, yourself. Say more about love that. towards the other people that are going to be impacted by your journey. Um, to take each step that you take in love. And with that as your grounding and foundation. That's that's good wisdom. Virginia, thank you so much for being with us and and sharing your experience and your wisdom. It's vulnerable and it's beautiful and it's so needed. Oh, thank you. And thank you very much for for having me and for allowing me to contribute to this amazing amazing thing you're creating and you're doing. It's beautiful to see. Thank you so much. Thank you. Are you looking for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.